Good morning to our loyal WFYL listeners around the world. Welcome back to your Philadelphia Friday, only on Fox News Radio. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in once again, because you still have the right to hear and the right to be heard. We're here with you on 1180 AM and broadcasting real time at 1180WFYL.com. Coming to you straight from the birthplace of liberty, quarantined somewhere in a hole. But we'll continue to fight day in and day out as your voice of freedom in the Delaware Valley. I'm attorney Mike Jeremita from Jeremita Offices, but everybody knows me as Mike G. And you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters. And you can listen to our program every Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. So let's be heard. I want to remind everybody that you can participate on the action. Jump in on the free and open exchange of thoughts and ideas throughout the entire week through the Mike G in the Morning social media platforms. Our Facebook account is facebook.com slash Mike G in the Morning. Don't forget to like our page, like our posts. YouTube, our channel is called Mike G in the Morning. You can also listen to our episodes in full through the WFYL YouTube account. That YouTube account, for those of you who are unaware, can be found at WFYL 1180 AM. You can also check out our previous episodes at the website, 1180WFYL.com. Sometimes a little slow to get on up, Russ. Whose shoes do I got to sign to get our episodes up there sooner? The Hulk's shoes. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm just busting chops, Russ. Uh, we'll tell you this: we had some pretty good numbers on uh, some of the stuff that we put up there. Our Twitter handles at Radio Mike G, and we've got a uh, screen name on the Instant Grams website, and our screen name on that Instant Grams is Mike G in the morning. So check us out, participate, like our videos, subscribe. We're doing it all for you. Don't forget to leave us your comments. I want to remind everybody of the powerhouse lineup we've got here at Fox News Radio WFYL. We've got Ben Shapiro bringing you the Ben Shapiro Show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Scott Adams, he's been in the news lately, bringing you the Scott Adams Show weekdays from 9 a.m. until noon. Second Amendment advocate Dana Lash comes on weekdays from 1 p.m. right until Ben Shapiro. And finally, we've got the greatest of all time, Michael Savage, bringing you the Savage Nation weekdays at 6 p.m. So don't forget to tune in and show him some love. And with that, you know what time it is. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. You know, we've got some exciting news We'll have a new title sponsor coming on this program starting next week. Very exciting. 
And if you couldn't guess, they're in the firearms business. So I'm really looking forward to it. We'll be announcing that next week. Hopefully doing more content about their services and their products. Getting the word out there. And really, this is a company I'm glad to be working with because they have something to offer that really all gun owners can use. But today, I want to talk a little bit about thinking for yourself, fending for yourself, and in many ways, being self-sufficient. Now, many of us have been locked up in our caves for several weeks at this point. And you got a lot of people who are coming up with different gripes about the whole situation. I want to encourage everybody to think for yourself. I want to encourage you to come up with your own ideas based on whatever objective evidence you may have. This whole virus being politicized has become very, very strange. I'll tell you how. Typically, if you've got some sort of illness, you'll have people on the right trying to warn everybody about it, and people on the left saying, oh, you guys are a bunch of fear mongers. Knock it off. It's not that bad. You're selling fear. That's what you guys do. You know, people on the right often accused of being fear mongers in many different ways. But in this particular situation, you've got the people on the left we're coming on out and saying everything's got to be shut down. People like Nancy Pelosi sort up in their multi-million dollar caves, right? Mm-hmm. Ice cream at 30 bucks a pint. And they want to shut everything down. Well, people on the right, particularly owners of small businesses, aren't too happy about this. You want to know why? Because they can't depend on the government to make up whatever voids they might have. They don't have an employer to pay them for when they're not working. And that's a little bit of the price that comes with being self-employed, fending for yourself. But what I want to encourage everybody to do is to not fall into some camp or school of thought based on your political affiliation. Has anybody ever considered that maybe all of them are wrong? Maybe all these politicians, maybe all these pundits getting on TV, maybe they're all wrong. Maybe it's not a hoax. Maybe it's not the end of the world and proof that we need the government to tell us what to do and to protect us in these situations. Because that hasn't worked. It's not going to work. How does everybody like your taste of socialism throughout this entire process? Fending for yourself. How about being self-employed? There's risks that come with that. You bear these burdens. The fact that if you don't go to work, you don't know where your next dollar is coming from. You can't rely on the government. And I know they came and said they were going to save the day. It didn't happen. So many small business owners left out in the cold. People who applied for payroll protection. These disaster relief loans right out of the gate. 
very soon after they've announced this stuff, still have no funds and probably aren't going to get funds. They ran out right away. And then government fights each other tooth and nail, trying not to release any new funds. Finally get that passed. And guess what? They're not going to get to everybody. So what happens to the small business owner? What happens to the little guy, so to speak? They're not going to tell you, hey, you don't owe us taxes. Guess what? You don't have to pay taxes, so you have to cut the government a check. And the money that people are getting based on this disaster relief, based on these programs, you get none of that. They talk about these big companies who applied for this. And listen, they're just following the rules that are out there. Probably not the spirit of what's going on out there, but if they're going to make the rules, they should make them tight enough so that way this stuff doesn't happen. But they go in, they ask for this money, some of them get this money, get the little guy, the small business, they're stuck footing the bill. So the little guy could tell places like Harvard, you're welcome. My tax dollars just paid for your bailout. How is that fair? Does anybody see the problem with this? Does anybody see why the government can't be in control of these sorts of things? How they're always going to screw it up? They will never get it right, period. And that's why we've got to fend for ourselves. What about being completely self-sufficient? Or being self-sufficient more so than we have been in the past? And what I mean by this is not depending upon really anybody else. What would you have to do to survive? Suppose you couldn't go to the store. Suppose you couldn't go out. Suppose you couldn't rely on anybody but yourself and who you've got with you in your immediate family. Would you be able to survive? Would you be able to make it? I think now is the time to certainly start thinking about it. Maybe making those adjustments moving forward. Do you think this is the last time we're going to see something like this? You know, whether it's a disease, or they talk about sometimes an EMP. No matter what it is, this will not be the last time we see this sort of situation where we don't have access to things we typically do every day. Are you going to be prepared next time something like this happens? I think a lot of us are going to learn valuable lessons when this is all said and done. And a lot of us are going to continue to skate on. Act as if it never happened. Glad we made it through that one. And then in the next one, you get caught with your pants down. Who's going to bail you out? You're going to be looking for the government? They're not going to help you. They don't care about the little guy. There's a lot of extreme controversy when it comes to these stay-at-home orders being issued by the government. And I've said this a million times. You know, I can totally understand how somebody could voluntarily choose to be on lockdown for their sake, for the sake of their families, not wanting to spread 
this disease, but also oppose the government forcing people to be on lockdown. There's a very big difference between the two. Governors coming out here with these stay-at-home orders. I think what they should be really called is stay-at-home suggestions. Really, constitutionally, do the governors have any right to tell everybody you can't leave your house? Essentially put everybody on house arrest for no crime? Can they lawfully do that? And some people may say, well, Mike, you know, it's really necessary during this point in time. You know, they've got a really good reason this time. Baloney! If they've got a reason this time just because they think they've got a good idea, you know what's going to happen the next time? You might not agree with the reason why they're doing it next time. And it's going to be too late because you let them get away with it this time. The point I'm trying to make is you've got to make decisions for yourself, for your family. I had somebody tell me, Mike, you know, my governor extended the stay-at-home order. Again, we should call them stay-at-home suggestions. So I'm considering voting for a Democrat in the next election. How is that going to help? Is the governor who's going to be running somebody who would not extend the stay-at-home suggestion? The stay-at-home order? Or are you going to be voting for someone who's going to be further away from your interest? Maybe we got to blow up the entire system. Maybe get a third party in there. Maybe primary somebody on the right if they've done something you don't agree with. How about that? Well, that's like saying, this Tylenol didn't cure my headache, so I'm going to drink poison in spite of it. That'll work. We got to figure something out, people. I understand why people are frustrated with the way the government is trampling on our rights. I had somebody say to me, Mike, I didn't realize that kryptonite for the Bill of Rights was some virus. And I'm not trying to diminish anything, any of the struggles people have gone through when it comes to this virus. We're going to have a couple of people on this program talk about their experience. I'm sure it was horrible. But that doesn't mean we let the government dictate each and everything we do with our lives. Take responsibility. Make decisions for your own family. Because you are the best person to make those decisions. Not the government, not some politician. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. You know, we've got two very special people on the line with us. Two people from New Jersey who are presently recovering from the virus. So they've been there, they've done that. And many of us don't have a perspective talking to someone who's actually gone through it. And today that'll change for our listening audience. We've got Marie and Carmine from New Jersey. Marie and Carmine, are you with us? Yes. yes. Hey, Mike. How are you today, Mike? <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. You know, I think this is going to be very important to a lot of people to hear from you folks, because this has become such a political issue, unfortunately, that I think people seem to feel that they have to take a certain side or a certain position when it comes to the virus. 
in order to be true to the rest of their beliefs, which is obviously ridiculous. So why don't each of you just tell us a little bit about your experience with the virus? Okay, yeah, this I'm telling you, Mike, this is this has been horrendous for us. Um, I'll be honest with you, in the beginning, when we first heard about it, you know, human nature is to just kind of think about yourself and where you stand and you were here and it was, you know, more for the elderly. And so then you say, okay, I'm pretty good. And then when you start hearing, well, it's in people in the sixties and all that and starts getting closer to home, then you, you know, you start really paying attention. But for the most part, I really thought, you know, being a teacher and everything, being around kids all the time for over 20 years, very rarely sick. So I didn't worry too much, but I do have my elderly parents with me and I thought, well, I have an obligation to them. So even if it's not about me and that's how I felt, I really didn't think I'd get it, but I felt that way that my obligation was to whoever I'm going to be near that I could carry it to or whatever. So before we get Carmine's initial impressions, I want to know, because the rest of the audience is definitely thinking this, how old are your parents and did they end up contracting the virus? Yeah, um, dad is dad is 88 years old and mom is 84. No, thank God, Mike, um, that both mom and dad are healthy as we speak. You know, they were quarantined in their little apartment, you know, in our home here. Um, unfortunately, uh, I was considered an essential worker and I had to go down to a uh, high risk area in Bergen County. And as doing that, I wound up getting exposed, unfortunately, with one of my coworkers who had gotten it. And um, I brought it home to the house here. And of course, Marie contracted, you know, contacted it. And um, unfortunately, it was a 14 day struggle. I'm a pretty strong guy. You know, it usually doesn't get to me things like this here. But you know, it kind of took me down to my knees, you know, having to fight off this, this virus and this fever for 12 days, you know, every day, you know, waking up and just praying to God that the fever would break, you know? So but, what were your first symptoms and how long ago did they start? Are, are you far along at this point? Yes. Right now, actually, you know, we've been back and forth at least four times to see our phys- physician and we were just recently tested for the antibody test and we got our results today and thank God, you know, um, we were tested positive for the COVID and we do have the antibodies now. So we're, it's all passed, you know, it's, it's an, it's, um, the dead virus in us now, but, um, it's, it's, we're still struggling, but it started out, you know, I was at work one day and I just felt a little bit of a, a tickle in my throat and, uh, never thinking much of it. You know, it didn't, nobody seemed really sick at the job. You know, we didn't really think much, got home that evening and, uh, you know, sitting down and I uh, just started feeling a little feverish and sure enough, the fever started. Wow. And How long was ago about, was this? That right now, you know, that was March 30th when I actually came down with the virus. Wow. And then it was uh, a, tw- a 12 day stint of the fever and everything. And then, you know, right now we're still with the cough and, and Maria is still dealing with the, you know, vertigo and some other, other, uh, lingering, from the virus. So your symptoms weren't exactly the same. Marie, what happened to you? Oh, for, for me, oh my gosh, it was the worst thing I've ever had. I, if anyone told me, I, uh, I probably would have gone right to the hospital because it was scary. I had every, uh, if you, I now look at the news. I haven't, we haven't looked on the news since March 30th when, uh, when Carmine got it. So, 
so I stayed off uh, the television, but our symptoms, my symptoms started out with a sore throat headache, horrendous, horrendous headache for 14 days, fever for, I had for 13 days, and then the cough, I had all the intestinal problems that they talk about, mm. and um, I had dry heaving, throwing up, uh, you know, terrible, like, you know, terrible things when you, when you sinuses, all that. And, uh, <clears throat> just got so sick and every day it seemed like a new symptom came up. Now I'm suffering from vertigo, dizziness, still the cough. I went back to the doctor and he said this could linger on for a long time. So I'm, I'm nervous about it because he said there could be some, you know, after effects, I have to monitor my lungs. <clears throat> so it's very, very scary. It's, it's so scary. I never had anything like this before. And Carmine, are you still feeling it? What are some of the lasting effects that you've noticed? Yeah, you know, I'm still a little fatigued. You know, I lost um, about 18 pounds, you know, because during that time when the fever was there, I just had no appetite at all. No appetite at all. One of the symptoms that, you know, we found that as we went, probably three or four days in, you know, um, I was putting Vicks on every night before we go to bed. And the one night I went to put the Vicks on, I I couldn't smell it. And it's just like, wow, it's I can't smell. You know, since the smell went sense of taste went right now what i'm experienced now is you know you know at the end of the day after working the eight hours i'm back at work you know with the mask on and everything like that but um it's fatigue you know you're tired of course from wearing a mask but also you know the energy level isn't there and still there's a you know not as bad as marie but i still do have i still do have a, a cough so you know, but it's coming along, but it's, it's, again, it's, it's quite a few, you know, quite a few weeks in and we're still suffering from some of the side effects and symptoms of it. Now, before you actually contracted the virus, did either one of you have any sort of feelings inside that, eh, maybe this is a little overblown from the media. Maybe they're blowing a little bit of smoke. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. I figured out if I get it, you know, uh, it's, pro- it's probably going to be slight. It might not be that, that bad. Because, you know, I've been pretty healthy and never really had any major issues. So I said, worst, worst case, I get it. I'm probably just going to fight it off. But like they talked about the flu or whatever, I mm-hmm. said, how bad could it be? But uh, <laughs> when it finally kicked in, you know, when it started going to like the progression comes and a, a critical point everybody's talking about is day 10. When we started hitting day 10 and we really, you know, we really weren't turning the corner to feel better. We were actually feeling worse. It was kind of getting a little bit of a scary to say that, you know, you were hoping each day for the fever to break and the cough to go away and some of the symptoms to, to, to slow down, but it just didn't happen. How about you, Marie? What did you think at the outside? I know you said that you thought your immune system would be uh, pretty strong from all those uh, years of teaching, but did, did you think that this virus was the real deal or did you think that maybe it was some media hype? Well, like I said, I didn't listen to the news up until, you know, until I was, I was listening to the news until, you know, we ended up getting it, but uh-huh. I was hearing all that. And I, I felt a little, I'll be honest with you, I felt a little cocky. And so I, like, I thought, ah, my immune system's good. It seems like it's for the elderly, the 80 year olds and all that. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to be okay. <laughs> you know, and since I isolated, I didn't think, I really didn't think too much and I was going in by my, my parents with uh, not a mask at the time because they weren't really talking about the mask, but wow. with the lice and staying, <clears throat> you know, staying far enough away. I knew that, but I was handling their food and all that. So I was so, when I got hit with this, I'm telling you, the, the guilt, 
and the fear and the anxiety I had that I was going to uh, kill my parents. I really felt that way. Mm. It was horrible. Horrible. That's something else. So, so what advice would you give to people who uh, maybe aren't taking this virus seriously? Oh, do you want to say comment? Yeah, Mike, one of the things that, you know, I would, I, you know, see, it's a shame. I wish from the beginning that somebody would have told us to wear these masks because I believe, because I was very, you know, meticulous on washing my hands and doing all the proper sanitizing when I was at the job. But the only thing at the beginning, nobody was talking about these masks. And I don't know if that was because there wasn't enough available or whatever it may have been. But all I do know is that I believe if we did have some kind of protection as far as the masks like we're wearing now, maybe this would have slowed it down a little bit. You know, I think that was a big, big factor in why this thing, you know, got out of control. And then when they finally did see it, we started to do this stuff. And it, maybe it, it, it's a big help. But the masks, I think, are a big help. You know, I think that's interesting because if you go back and listen to one of our episodes in February, uh, we read a statement from somebody who was an expert on infectious diseases. And one of the things that everybody was saying at that point in time was, oh, don't use the masks, don't buy masks because, uh, first of all, they're not going to help at all. And second of all, our medical professionals need them and the people on the front lines need them. And it was just half a sentence that I mentioned and, you know, I didn't think anything of it at the time, but I said, well, hold on a second. How do those two really go together? If, if they're not helpful, then why would the professionals need them? And I was waiting for some kind of an explanation. Um, and now they're saying everybody needs to wear the masks, right? No, I totally agree, Mike. Totally agree. Like I said, you know, it, it, it was just common sense to me, you know, once, once it happened and, and I got sick, I, I, everything went through my mind. I was trying to think, how could, where did I possibly get this? You know, because, again, Marie was quarantined here. She's a teacher. She's at home taking care of her schoolwork, never left. I was doing whatever shopping, but I was very, again, careful and doing everything I did. And that's all I did, go to work and come home. But then once one of my coworkers came up with it and tested positive, you know, it was right then and there that, you know, I didn't really know what was going to happen. And then, of course, a few days later, I wound up coming down with these the symptoms. And we actually, unfortunately, at my job, we lost one of our coworkers. He did pass from the COVID. Oh, no. It's very and sad. You, and yeah. you believe you caught it from him? Well, not from the one that passed, but this other coworker that works in, in my department with gotcha. me. He's, he actually just got off a ventilator. He was on a ventilator for three weeks. They actually put him into a coma. Um, they, it, you know, now he's out of the, he's out, out of the coma and off the ventilator, but he's having some other major issues that are still, you know, trying to, trying to handle, but that's who I believe I got it from. Wow. Now, you know, the bad sounds like this is not just the flu. Have you had the flu in the last few years, either one of you? No. And, uh, you know, like I, like I said, Mike, you know, we were pretty healthy, you know, so that's why I really wasn't really, really concerned about, you know, if we did get it that I figured that's going to be a mild thing. You know, I, yet when I was younger, I had the flu, but this year, the way I, the only way I can explain it, I feel like somebody took a sledgehammer and pounded me into the ground. Wow. That's what I, yeah, that's what I felt, you know, just weakened, you know, no, no energy, just, just, you know, Marie and I would just look at each other to make sure that we were both okay. You know, uh-huh. we were in separate rooms just to, you know, to, to try to, you know, hope we weren't going to make anybody worse. And each morning we'd check on each other to make sure the other individual was still breathing. Wow. That's, that's got to be very scary. 
Yes, it yes it was, Mike. Now, now Marie, have you had the flu within the last few years? No, I, I haven't, but I've had some pretty heavy duty like um, bronchitis and things like that. And I never experienced anything like this. I mean, I really did. At one point, I called someone and, and shared some of the things that I wanted if I did pass. It, that's how bad it was. I really thought wow. a couple of times. And, and, and Carmine didn't tell you, but at one point he got up. He had such a bloody nose mm. that he hemorrhaged. It was an hour over an hour of hemorrhaging. That I've never seen anything like it in my life. He wouldn't let me take him to the hospital because we were hearing from family and friends, stay away from the hospital unless you have shortness of breath and you really have mm. a higher situation. So we were frightened to death to go to the hospital because we heard all about, like from, from you know, family members who were on the front line, the ventilators. We heard stuff that that was hurting people and I'd be afraid they'd just stick us on that. Right. So I was right. making my wishes known to my family and, you know, and watched him hemorrhage out of his nose and out of his throwing up it for, you know, throwing up like that for over an hour. Oh my God. That's how much this got into our systems. I mean, there was, you name it, we had it. So you didn't, you didn't end up going to the hospital, but how was your experience dealing with medical professionals throughout this virus? Oh, it was, I'll be honest with you. It was awesome because we had one of the few doctors that saw us in the parking lot. I mean, we had even, wow. He uh, he had us hide like almost behind the building because there's, you know, houses all around there and um, got us out of the, the car, listened to the our lungs, did the blood, um, what do you call pulse oxygen, monitored our fever, you know, and, I, you know, we went three, four times there. And just to me, and that's what saved us for like another day or two from not because you could, I'll be honest with you. I'm not an anxiety person, but I got severe anxiety. So at one point, I couldn't tell the difference between shortness of breath that they were telling you had to call 911 for, mm. or was it, you know, anxiety, or was it the actual virus in my lungs? So thank goodness the doctors, two of them in the practice, saw us anytime we needed it and kept us, you know, okay, your lungs are still clear. <laughs> And how do you guys feel mentally having recovered from this, having gone through all this, Marie saying, having uh, thought you were going to die and contacting family members to carry out specific wishes? Doesn't that take a toll on you? How do you, how do you feel mentally now that this is all said and done? I tell you, I've, I try not to go down too far, like too low, because I'm so grateful my mother and father didn't get it. And I just praise God for that. But um, I, I really felt so scared that I contracted something and Carmine contracted something that people were dying from. So we, I kept saying, why am I any different than, the, than these people you hear that are dying? Why am I any different? So I wasn't, at that point, I was not confident that I wasn't going to die or one of us wasn't mm-hmm. going to die. It's, it's frightening. When you have a brush with death like that, <laughs> you're not the same. And Carmine, how about you? How are you feeling upstairs? Well, you know, I just, again, through the whole thing, thank God for each day that he gave me, you know, but uh, fighting through it, you know, right now I'm looking back. I'm just, you know, I try to stay positive, Mike. I try to stay positive. I was telling Marie each time she would start getting down and stuff. I said, listen, we're going to fight this. We're going to get up. Even with the fever, you know, we have a little farm over here and I, I have some animals I need to take care of. But each day, fever or not, I made sure I got up to those animals and took care of the animals, got outside, 
doing some breathing, doing whatever I had to do. And I would tell Marie the same thing. Get up. Let's go. Let's move. You know, drink some hot tea with lemon. So, but my, my um, you know, right now, me personally, you know, I'm fine with it. You know, I, I'm just, you know, happy that it's, it's, it's over right now. And uh, just thanking God for the day we got. You know, that brings me to the next point. I'm glad you mentioned that. You said you told her, get up, move around, drink some hot tea with lemon. As survivors, I want to hear from each of you, what is the advice that you would give to someone out here who is dealing this? Is there anything that really helped get you through this? Anything that you think people ought to know out there? Yes. One thing I can say is what happens when you get this fever you want to, you just want to lay down. You want, you're tired. Everybody tells you to rest. And that's the thing. The worst part, you know, with this thing, it wants to get into your lungs and that's what everybody's telling you. So the biggest thing, it starts out in your sinuses and your, your throat and it works its way down into the bronchial tubes. And that's kind of Marie and I were fortunate that that's where it stopped. It didn't get into the lungs, but it does want to get into your lungs. So the only thing I can say is you have to, as hard as it is, get up, don't just lay in the couch. Don't lay in the bed. Get out. Move. Breathe. Take some deep breaths. Do that. Ex- you know the breathing exercises. When you got that cough, that hot tea. I'm sorry, the hot water with the lemon and and um, honey. You know, take that. Drink plenty of fluids. That's what the doctor was saying. Keep the fluids. Push the fluids. Because one thing I could tell you from it that we didn't talk about. Every night, every night, Mike, you would wake up and as if you were came out of a pool, soaking wet. You're from head to toe, your, your, your whole bed soaked from your body trying to fight off this, this virus. You would take your Tylenol and it would fight it off. The fever would come down. It would try to break, but your body would fight and you would be soaking wet. So you have to push. You can't, you can't just lay down. That's my suggestion. Wow. How about you, Marie? Well, again, thank God that we, we were, we, you know, watched a video and uh, we talked about the same thing that that Carmine just said, that it wants to get into your lungs and you got to get up and you got to move. And the one thing I was trying to do was not take the Tylenol because I, I felt like the fever was my body's defense and was going to fight. But that fever makes you just want to stay on the couch, like Carmine was saying. And when I saw the video about getting up, moving, uh, not getting it into your lungs, that wants to land in your lungs and it scared me. So I was doing all the breathing exercises that I had after my uh, spinal surgery, the deep breathing, hold it for five seconds and then blow out as if through a straw. That's the best thing. And I was doing it three, four, five times an hour walking like mine set up the driveway down, (laughs) no matter what the weather, just bundling up and doing it. And that's the, that's the main thing. And trying to stay positive. That was my hardest thing. I do want to ask this because a lot of people are struggling. If they're not struggling with the virus itself, there are people out there struggling financially right now. There's no two ways about it. Uh, You have small business owners out there who were promised by the government, we're going to get you hooked up with this payroll protection and these these other loans, things of that nature. And and it's not happening. They they ran out of funds immediately. Uh, The Democrats fought them tooth and nail to, to get any more money. And that's probably going to run out fairly quickly. So there's going to be a lot of people who are very concerned and sweating over the fact that uh, they don't know where their next dollar's coming from. So if you're a small business owner or you're, you're an employee even who's got to, you know, thinking they've got to go to work, 
what advice would you give to them through your experience dealing with this? Because I think that sometimes when people have financial struggles on the line and, and they just want to provide for their families, uh, they, they don't really seriously consider uh, what, they're, what they're risking. Do you have any, any advice that you'd give to people in that position? Yes. If you have to, if you absolutely like, like my husband, he has to go out and, you know, people have to go to the store and, and take care of people. You have to put that mask on. You have to have the hand sanitizer in your pocket. You have to have gloves on and just be so diligent in washing down your car handle, your steering wheel, spraying your shoes, every possible thing you can do to protect yourself and don't let your guard down. Do not pull the mask down over your nose. Mm. And, and that, could, um, that could be so easy, right? Because we're not used to having masks on our face all the time. And you think about touching your face, how many times a day we touch our face and don't even think about it, right? Yeah, but you were asking about the financial part. Carmine's going to say something. Yeah, Mike, with me, basically, you know, I got sick. I took the first two sick days. And then um, I was called by my company about 9 o'clock on Wednesday night saying, oh, we have our first confirmed corona-positive test. We're going to shut the plant for a couple of days because we need to, de you know, decontaminate it and clean it. We'll get back to you when we're going to reopen. Meanwhile, during this time, we're suffering with this, this nasty virus here with the high fevers and everything. Mm. Sunday evening, I get a call saying that the plant is going to be shut for a week because, you know, the business is slow. So we have to decide how we're going to do this. So meanwhile, during this time, fighting off this crazy virus, I had to sit down, Marie and I, and try to figure out how to get unemployment benefits, which wow. is almost, almost an impossibility here in New Jersey during that week. That was the peak week. And here we are sitting there trying to figure this thing out. And to, even to this day right now, we're not sure if everything is, is in place for that particular week that I was off. The second week that they were closed again, I was still sick with the virus, of course. And I said, listen, I'm not playing this nonsense. I'm just going to take a vacation week. So I, I took, instead of going through the, 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 the nonsense of trying to get my money from the state, I just took a week's vacation. And then after that, I was fortunate enough that the fever had broken. I was more than the 72 hours without the fever. So the doctor released me. He said, if as long as I felt well to go back to work and of course, you know, needing to make money, I, I chose to go back. So I've been back for two weeks now. Wow. That is something else. So, uh, it sounds like there's really no good answer. There's no good option in this situation. Is that fair? Uh, that's fair to say. I actually, uh, one of my coworkers, he just started to work with our company probably about three months ago. Unfortunately, before that, he worked in New York State. So he contracted the virus and he brought it home. His wife got the virus. Now, he went to try to get his unemployment benefits, but unfortunately, he wasn't working long enough in the state of New Jersey to do that. So any little bit of um, vacation time that he, he was able to get from the company and the small amount of sick time he had to use. And he's a young guy with a couple of, you know, children. His wife doesn't work. Today was his first day back at work after like three weeks. So he definitely knows what the struggle is financially from this virus. Uh, what a shame. What a shame. So the state government didn't come through. <laughs> uh, big government did not come through. Maybe for some people, but not for us. Oh, man. Well, you know, I, I think. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry. 
I have a little axe to grind because like I really I really feel so angry about um you know, my husband going to the hot zone, the number one hot zone in New Jersey. And I think that the company should have covered them, those guys. Some of the guys were actually let go. Some of the older guys were kind of pushed out the door with a, a very minimal uh, buyout, very, like insulting, but took it because they're afraid because, you know, it was, the, like I said, the hot zone. And, and it was just like... You know, some some of these companies that were calling the work essential, and it really wasn't. There was, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that went on like that. That and, and and to expose people when this company is a multi-billion-dollar company. You know, to expose, they could have just covered that one particular plant for the month and let everybody go home, heal, clean the place, take care of their families, and then start over after a month that would have saved the one man dying the other one on the ventilator and 15 other people besides my husband and me getting it you know the ironic thing is that when you you deal with politics a lot of times the people who come out for big government come on out and uh, try to demonize larger companies and it's ironic that it seems to me that both big companies and big government tend to share a lot of characteristics when it comes down to it. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? Yes, for sure. For sure, Mike. So for I, sure. I think one of the most important things you guys said is that it's important to thank God. And, you know, we don't want to take anything away from that. Uh, you obviously went through a whole lot, each one of you. And, you know, we're sorry that you had to do that. But well, let's not miss this opportunity to thank God that, number one, your parents didn't come down with it. Number two, uh, you didn't end up on a ventilator, like you said. And number three, uh, you you two are alive. This is this is something that has killed people. A friend of mine who's been on this program several times, his uncle passed away in New Jersey uh, after struggling with uh, the coronavirus. So we want to thank God that you two are alive, uh, that you're you know you've made it on through, and that your parents ultimately didn't contract it. Uh, so. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us. You two, the first to come on this program, maybe the first to come on this station and talk about your experiences actually dealing with the coronavirus. Do you have any parting words for us? Yeah, I do. I do want to say one thing. I'm so, you know, I know I've had a lot of uh, a lot of uh, sad things to say and, and angry things and all that, but I want to give a little hope here to people. Because I, my grandmother, rest her soul, she, since I was a little girl, used to just, anytime I complained or seemed ungrateful, she would say an American, uh, Native American proverb, and she'd say, great spirit, grant that I might not criticize my neighbor until I walk a mile in his moccasins. And that mm. meant so much to me as I got older and I learned about that. But I'm, my parting words to everyone out there. Just take this seriously, please. And if not for yourself, for the people around you, you have to have a soft heart because you have no idea if it's going to hit you, hit hit someone, you're going to carry it to someone else. You know, if you're fortunate, if you're blessed not to get it, that's awesome. But just always think that you could be infecting someone else and walk a mile in their moccasins because thank, like you said, thank God we are okay. And financially didn't hurt us that, you know, hardly at all compared to I have friends that have nothing now, two people owning their own business income. And, right. you know, 
So I'm grateful, and we're both, we're both very grateful for that. But think about the other – walk in their shoes. Think about the, the single mom at home with their two kids, three kids, you know, trying to take care of everything. God forbid you got one of them sick, you know? Right. We're, yeah, I was watching a documentary over this lockdown period of Hulk Hogan, the wrestler. I don't know if you remember him. And he said, yes. until you walk a mile in these red and yellow boots, you wouldn't understand, brother. And so that brings me, uh, brings that to mind. How about you, Carmine? What, what do you got to say as any parting words for anybody? You know, for me, the only thing I could say is you keep that positive attitude. Keep the fight up. Don't give up. And um, just know other people are going through it and, and that, you know, somehow, some way you get through it. Unfortunately, there's people that, you know, have passed from it. And that is very unfortunate. But just thank God right now that, you know, they're, they're, they're doing some work and hopefully they come up with this, this um, vaccine. And uh, it, to me, it's just staying positive. Yeah, well, and one more thing I want to say, please, everyone out there, don't make light of this. Mm-hmm. Don't say it's a hoax. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't say, you know, that it's just a uh, flu. It's not. There you don't want this, right? You people. don't want this. That's the bottom line. <laughs> and, and you don't want to, you know, negate uh, someone who's yeah, had it. Yeah. Somebody, there's so many parts of this and you don't, you're insulting and hurting someone who really did have it, struggle with it or lost somebody. So, you know. Keep it to yourself if you think it's a hoax because it's real. It's really, it's real. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the program. We hope to have you both back again soon. God bless. Thank you. God bless. bless. Bye bye. <laughs> for those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with the Law Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. You know, during this whole lockdown period. We haven't been able to take any calls throughout this program, but I've been very blessed to have my right-hand man, Philly Chris. Philly Chris, are you with us? Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning, everybody. Hey, thanks for coming back. You know, I got a couple of things I want to bounce off of you. I I could bounce things off of you and off of our audience that I really can't tell anybody else because they'll think I'm nuts. (laughs) (laughs) You want to know what I've learned from this whole lockdown period, from uh, being inside and social distancing? I've learned that I absolutely can't stand people. I don't like people. (laughs) I don't want to be around them anymore. Have you learned that? I learned it a long time ago, I think, Mike. You know, but, <laughs> yeah, in some ways, uh, you know, there's a little silver lining. We're all getting a little uh, time to ourselves and with family, which is nice. Russ, what's your favorite, your famous quote about this, Russ? I was socially distancing before it was cool. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be social distancing, social distancing after it's cool. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Move in the middle of nowhere. Maybe go to Alaska or something. A couple of things I want to talk to you about, Chris. I thought of you right away because I saw an article in the news about some footage of UFOs being released by the Pentagon. Did you see this? Yeah, I did see that they were talking about it again. Um, so I believe that footage they're referencing was released a, a, little, a little while ago, but for some reason it's getting some more attention recently in the media from what I could tell. Oh, maybe they're like, hold on a second. Uh, they released footage of UFOs and nobody seemed to blink at it. So, hello. <laughs> right, right. Like, well, why don't we bring this up again? Uh, by the way, folks, there's some uh, UFOs flying around. Um, I said UFOs. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild what's going on. I actually just was looking at that a little bit uh, yesterday because I had a few other people mention it. 
And um, those were the videos that some of the Navy pilots uh, captured a little while back. I, I don't think there's any brand, brand new footage that's been released by the, the military, although there's some other footage online that's starting to show up, um, but nothing's been... Oh, so uh, they, conf- they only have X amount of footage of UFOs? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> well, I guess. Supposedly behind the scenes, there's quite a bit, and they've only acknowledged uh, certain quantity of it certain videos that i guess were leaked Uh, you know supposedly leaked but uh but yeah it's hitting the news again so that's interesting but you know some people are claiming that trump wants to do um more disclosure on that you know of course uh we don't know for sure where that directive is coming from but it's pretty interesting and i I looked into some of the things that were reporting about the capabilities of these you know crafts wherever the crafts now we gotta are. be we gotta be clear because i was telling yeah. someone in my family about this i said dude uh, check this out ufos and they're like come on there's no such thing as martians and i was like no 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 that's not what a ufo <laughs> ufo is just unidentified flying object right yeah well they're definitely 100 percent confirmed alien they're coming from the orion belt about 300 billion years. <laughs> <laughs> no. i think they made a documentary about it called mars attacks right remember that one yeah it's actually <laughs> jack nicholson true. right yeah yeah um but you know it, it is really interesting to think about you know i've been kind of you know curious about that stuff uh being an aviation buff and all that and looking into it for a while but these things are maneuvering at speeds that are just unbelievable you know and they really defy the current understanding of of physics so hopefully they're ours or they're you know uh craft that we have some sort of control over but uh, if not then they're either somebody else's here on earth or who the heck knows you know where they're coming from but they're right. certainly advanced technology you know, so they maybe are. there is something extraterrestrial but uh that's not uh, it's not a, a hundred percent in that direction, meaning just because you say that they've got footage of UFOs, they're not saying they have footage of aliens necessarily. Not, not, not the government, but there are people like last week when we talked about this uh, briefly that Dr. Greer I had mentioned, I've been following him a bit because he's actually given briefings to uh, several of the, the past presidents in the administration about uh, people from the government that have come out to him behind the scenes, you know, talking about these things. And they go pretty far back. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes. It's pretty wild to think about, you know, uh, what the sources of these. Now, these I, I'm the, you're our resident aliens expert, okay? Because I don't know. <laughs> I, I am no expert yeah. on aliens, UFOs, anything, anything of that sort. Just, uh, you know, I, really out of my wheelhouse. But continuing yeah. on things that I'm not an expert about. Let, let's talk more <laughs> about let's talk more about stuff that I know nothing about. Uh, I, sure. Well, so, this has have to do with something I know something about. Uh, so there's been a lot of discussions lately about firearms and marijuana. Now, to be clear, the thing I do know something about is the firearms aspect. The marijuana right. is something I don't know enough about to really intelligently comment on it, meaning mm-hmm. I don't know the ins and outs of the medical studies dealing with uh, in, uh, whatever benefits have been claimed in recent years or anything right. like that, or whatever maybe downsides people claim in the medical community of something yeah. like marijuana. Here's what I can tell you. Uh, there's been a lot of discussions about whether the two mix, do guns and marijuana mix. I can tell you that legally speaking, if you are a user of marijuana, you are prohibited from possessing firearms under federal law. And it doesn't matter whether your state has legalized it for recreation or even for medical purposes. The fact of the matter is 
that marijuana is still a Schedule I controlled substance, meaning no medicinal purpose. Apparently, it's more dangerous than cocaine, right? doesn't oh, serve yeah. a purpose mm-hmm. more than cocaine does. So. <laughs> but because it is unlawful under federal law, you are still an unlawful user if you use marijuana. It doesn't matter if your state gives you some card and says, you know, we've got no problem with you using marijuana for medical purposes. You're still an unlawful user under federal law and therefore prohibited from possessing firearms under federal law. Now, if you want to make an argument whether this is constitutional and things of that nature, that's a separate story. Um, There have been some challenges in courts, none of them being ultimately successful to the level that we can say, uh, yes, the case law is binding and says that if you're using for a medicinal purpose, then you can possess firearms as of right now. There is no using marijuana and lawfully possessing firearms in this country under federal law. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I bring this up is they have these people who have these debates as to whether or not it's a good idea or a bad idea on these social media websites. And as a result, you got people coming on out and saying, oh, well, you know, I got a medical card and I own guns myself. Mm, Listen. Right. One thing that they're not telling you is that it's unlawful under federal law. So if you want to be investigated, then yes, go ahead and post that out on the (laughs) Internet with your name and picture next to it. Be careful about this stuff. Mm. I just wanted to make everybody aware of that. Have you seen these kinds of debates going on, Chris? Yeah, you know, I have. And uh, going to different seminars and gun shows and things of that nature, I've you know heard of people who, and, I, and I, I'm sure you've had this happen where people have gone and gotten their medical marijuana card and then they didn't realize that that, you know, mm. uh, limits their ability to continue to have firearms in the permit, right? Because it negates all that once you do that, right? And you can't get it back if, at that point, If can you? you're an unlawful user, yeah. then, then right. you're prohibited if you're an unlawful user. Now, you know, the, their burden of proof as the government is a completely different discussion. We don't have enough time to go into that today. I've had, yeah. uh, you know, I, I could go into <laughs> war stories about cases that I've had dismissed right. and everything. But I want everybody to know this is the law. I don't want anybody to be out there admitting to committing crimes. That's never a good idea. Well, I think people misunderstand that if they have the card, they think it's lawful, but it's still not lawful because, as you mentioned, the federal Under law. Under federal right? law, right. right. Right, right, okay. Yeah, I just want to make sure folks uh, – but hold on a sec. I'm going to light up real quick while we're talking about this. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <good laughs> just kidding, just kidding. You, you know, uh, from, from, my, from, from my point of view, and this is – <laughs> yeah, I am no expert in marijuana whatsoever, but we've seen the the crisis that the opioids have caused in this country, right? How much sure. damage the opioids can do to people. Uh, I've lost a lot of friends to opioid addiction. Can they really say that using marijuana for medicinal purposes is worse than that? I don't know. I, I don't I don't see that's possible. I'm more than welcome to have somebody change my mind who knows more about this stuff than I do. Uh, but that's just me from from my unscientific point of view. What do you think? Yeah, about I think you're absolutely right. You know, I, I I'm pretty sure based on, you know, uh, articles I've read and 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 so forth and so on in the medical community that you can't even overdose on marijuana where the, you know, prescribed opioids, as you 
pointed out, we all know someone or, you know, someone in a family who's been uh, devastated, you know, by those uh, addictions and deaths. So I think you bring up a really good point. Yeah, it's something that really needs to be looked at closer. Yeah. You know, when when President Trump first came in, you know how in the Obama administration, the federal government decided they weren't going to be enforcing any of the laws dealing with marijuana. They just decided, yeah. okay, we're just not going to enforce it. When right. Trump came into office, he said, no, if that's the law, then we're going to enforce it. That's why it's the law. Some right. people took that as, ah, oh, look at this, uh, this, this uh, buzzkill over here. You know, why is this, this narc out there trying to jam everybody up? What I thought he was actually doing was playing 3D chess once again and trying to force Congress's hand in mm -hmm. getting this all sorted out at the federal level, meaning if he was going to say, hey, if this is the law, you got to enforce it, that maybe they would step in and get it off a of schedule one like it never belonged there. Right. Right. I sure, thought that absolutely. maybe that's what he was trying to do, but we haven't seen it happen. So maybe I was just thinking it up. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> would, would that strategy make sense, though, to say, hey, if it's here, we're going to enforce it. You better do something and, and try to get them to. To just change it and make it. Yeah, worse. you know, he is so strategic. So I think you're you're spot on. And I would imagine maybe in a second term, once we get past all this other craziness, maybe we'll see some changes there. And I'm sure you know more about this than than myself or most people. But a lot of folks are spending uh, years and years in prison because of the whole like three strike thing with marijuana. Right? Isn't there something with that, Mike, where you can end up with a and then some pardon that so, one lady who yeah. had that uh, tremendous tremendous sentence dealing with marijuana, if I recall correctly, right? Yeah, right, right. And uh, I mean, I think you could argue alcohol is worse, you know, physically on the body and also more. This is not a med this is not medical advice, by the way. This is mm -hmm. <laughs> two guys <laughs> who don't know a ton about marijuana just shooting from the hip over you. Yeah. Chris, don't speak it. Don't you have a Bible verse for us? Let's get this in. Let's uh, wash this stuff out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's let's uh, transition over to that. Thanks for the reminder, Mike. Yeah, I thought with everything going on, I. Uh, came across something a friend of mine uh, sent me recently, and I thought it'd be good to share. So uh, here we go. Uh, so I tell you, don't worry about the food or drink you need to live or about the clothes you need for your body. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Look at the birds in the air. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, but our Heavenly Father feeds them. And you know that you are worth much more than the birds. You cannot add any time to your life by worrying about it. And why do you worry about clothes? Look at how the lilies in the field grow. They don't work or make clothes for themselves. But I tell you, even Solomon with his riches was not dressed as beautifully as one of those flowers. God clothes the grass in the field which is alive today, but tomorrow is thrown into the fire. So you can be even more sure that God will clothe you. Don't have so little faith. Don't worry and say, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? The people who don't know God keep trying to get these things, and your Father in heaven knows you need them. The thing you should want most is God's kingdom and doing what God wants. Then all these other things you need will be given to you. So don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will have its own worries. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That is amazing, Chris. Perfect for a time like this. Look to God. Lean on God. Don't look to the government. They will only let you down. Man will always let you down. That's all the time we've got for today, folks. 
Thanks for tuning in. Stick around for We the People, The Constitution Matters. Pastor David Whitney, Professor Phil Duffy, I'll be joining as the legal analyst. Stay safe, stay healthy, and God bless, folks. God bless, everybody.